Welcome to the Seed World Pro Power Talk, where the seed industry professionals get the knowledge, tools, and peer support they need to grow their businesses and careers. Today, I'm joined by Jody Daniels, the founder and CEO of Red Clover Advisors, a privacy consultancy. She helps companies create privacy programs, build customer trust, and achieve GDPR and U.S. privacy law compliance. Jody helps companies with their daily operations, such as data mapping, individual rights, training, and policies. I brought Jody in today because the seed industry is a truly global industry, and therefore, privacy and marketing laws around the world impact each one of us. We're going to learn today that GDPR applies to companies regardless of their size. So we wanted to make sure that this was resource was available to all pro members to understand these rules and regulations and make sure their companies are operating within compliance to maintain customer trust as well as avoid very expensive fines. Thanks for joining me today and I hope you find this information extremely valuable. Well, hi, thank you for having me. It's my pleasure to be here and welcome to all of you. Um, so I am going to spend some time this morning talking about GDPR. So to get started, this is kind of my new favorite slide, which is it's a lot of information that we're going to be talking about. And hopefully some of you might be enjoying a springtime um, activity, you know, under the sprinklers. But it might feel like it's a huge force of information. So just relish it, just enjoy it. And if you have questions um, at any time, my contact information will be at the end and you are welcome to reach out. So to get started, I also think it's really important to talk about the foundation to privacy. I firmly believe that there's this law, we have to comply, there's some requirements, we're gonna talk about them. But underlying it is really this idea that the relationship we have with our customers is based on trust. And when they hire us to buy our products, it's because they trust that we have a great product. Well, they also trust us with their information and that we're not going to misuse it or going to protect it properly. And I'm a huge Billy Joel fan. And so to take one of his songs, it's truly, it's a matter of trust. And how we uh, approach GDPR, how we protect the information of our customers, creates that strong foundation of trust. Uh, a lot of information that we use, obviously we're using to deliver our products, but we're also using it to market, to gain new customers. And I got to privacy for marketing, so I feel like I can have a little fun with this one. Because, right, don't worry, it's only marketers collecting our data so they can create more relevant advertising for us. And that is true. We do want relevant advertising. But at the same time, we have to figure out where is that balance? Let's look at the seesaw of how much information do I need to provide that relevant advertising? Or do I just collect everything under the sun? Or how do I deliver that marketing message? Um, Interesting example, I received a catalog the other day in the mail, and I'm thinking, well, that's interesting because I know I just went to Facebook and the website for that catalog, and then look at that. Now I'm getting a catalog for it. 
and I've never heard of this company before, there's a high likelihood that they connected the dots with my online activity and my offline activity. And I'm in the business and understand how that works. Now think about your customers. Are they going to be okay with that? And we want to be thinking about, again, building that relationship of trust. So to dive on in to GDPR, the General Data Protection Regulation in Europe, that was effective May 25th, 2018. GDPR applies to what's known as processing. And what's important to understand is processing can kind of mean anything that you're doing with data. Deleting data is actually processing data. So you could collect, use, share, store, disseminate, delete, erase something with data that's processing. So it applies to processing carried out by organizations operating within the EU or organizations outside the EU that offer goods or services to individuals in the EU. And what's also important is there's no minimum. There's no minimum threshold. It can apply if you make a dollar and you have a customer in the EU. I also joke, you could be you know, a small business in Tahiti and you have a global audience and it also could apply to you. So if you do not have a physical presence in the EU, maybe you don't have a sales office there, you're wondering, does this apply to me? If you have customers in the EU, it applies to you. If you don't have customers yet, but you're trying to get them, you're actively marketing to them, then it applies to you. If you are a US only company, you have US only customers, you do not market to people in the EU and randomly, I'm an amazing person who found you on page 23 of Google and I live in France and I find your website, that does not put you in the scope for GDPR. There uh, are some items that would put you into the scope and I've kind of tried to summarize the short version here for you. As I mentioned earlier, it became effective May 25th, 2018. And it requires companies, this is sort of the long version, to disclose the collection, use, sharing of personal data process. You have to have what's called the legal basis. And we're going to talk about what that is a little bit uh, in further detail. You have to offer individual rights. Now, in GDPR speak, they're called data subject access requests or DSARs. I don't like calling people data subjects. I think of them as individuals. So I tend to use individual rights but the formal term is DSAR. Um, and it also has some obligations for companies to really protect data. There are some strict requirements to how you need to protect data. Well, what happens if you say, yeah, I don't really wanna do this or you, 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 know, you don't comply? Well, on the left-hand side, I have the financial impacts and you can see there's sort of two different tiers. It depends on the type of infraction that you might have. It can be up to 20 million euro or 2% of global turnover or double that 40 million euro or 4% of global turnover. The right hand side of the page is a piece though that I think is really important, not to diminish the financial impact that you can have, but really think about if, if you have a data breach or think about if you misuse data in a manner that you, uh, your customers didn't expect. Going back to that trust element I spoke of earlier, now you have a brand reputation problem. You have a potential loss of customers. 
you also have negative PR. You're in the news for the wrong reason. We want you to be in the news for all the amazing work that your company is doing, not because of a privacy violation. And so with that, I firmly believe that privacy is actually good business. So customers are getting smarter about this. They want privacy and security. They want to know that their, their, their data is going to be protected. They want to know they're working with a company who puts that as a priority. So the companies that do that in these early days with these new laws are going to have a competitive edge. It's also much less expensive to plan in advance and have preventative measures than have a costly data breach. You know, think about you go to the doctor, you try and have good health because you don't want a significant medical issue, similar situation. You might take care of your AC system at home because you want to make sure it lasts a long time. If it breaks, it's a lot more expensive to replace than the once or twice a year maintenance on it. Same with the car, right? So the preventative measures are going to be much less expensive than a data breach and just at the end, you have happy customers. When you are transparent and you're clear with your communications, you have happy customers. This is true in just delivering your product, right? If a customer knows this is what's in your product, you've, you've shared maybe the manufacturing process, the, the items that are in it, the um, how you operate as a company, people want that transparency. The same is gonna be true with their data. And so in today's day and age, uh, Data is the fuel. Data is providing us significant insights into what kind of products and services our customers want. Uh, which customers should we be targeting? Who are our customers? What are they buying? How often are they buying? Data is critical and important to our business. So these laws aren't meant to say we can't ever collect and never use data. It's meant to make sure that we're using it and collecting it in a smart way. We're informing our customers, we're being transparent with them, and we're providing options for our customers who might choose to not want to participate in some of the ways that we're doing it. And what GDPR also requires is that basically we think in advance. And we're going to get to what those legal basis are in a moment, but that's a big piece is I can't just use it in any way. I have to think first and then process how I want to use that data. So let's talk a little bit about data collection. When I'm talking about data, I'm talking about personal data. And under the GDPR, personal data is a big definition. It includes name and age, nationality, marital status, your contact information, financial information, travel information, birth dates, all types of significant um, data collection, but it can also mean you know, all kinds of other things like my job information or my children's names or, um, you know, maybe my favorite preferences. Some of that might also be considered personal data. Now, very specifically, there's a category called sensitive personal data. And sensitive personal data is this list that you can see here on your screen. It's going to have racial or ethnicity, political views, religious or philosophical views trade union membership, health, genetic, biometric, and sexual orientation. To use sensitive data, I have to consent to that. I have to know you're collecting it and how you're going to use it. So some very strict rules around the use of sensitive personal data. And the other piece that GDPR really goes into is online identifiers. 
Now, this is going to be critical for your um, digital marketing and any type of online data that you have. Maybe you have a user account and someone logs into it. That data is going to also be critical that you understand the type of data that you have and what you're doing with it. Now, it's important to understand what data you have and how you use data, where it's stored, and who you share it with. GDPR actually requires this to be documented. You might have heard of something called an Article 30 report. I try not to use some of the very specific items within GDPR too much, but Article 30 is this idea that you record the processing activities. So very specifically, you need to understand and document the data you have by processing activity. And a processing activity, let's use marketing as an example. Maybe you do email marketing and you do online advertising. So email marketing, you're going to collect my name, my email. You probably put it in an email service provider. Maybe you use um, Exact Target or HubSpot or MailChimp or something like that. And maybe you export something into a Google Drive or an Excel sheet. And maybe you share it with your agency so that they can market to it. That might be some of the types of information that you would need to document. And there's some other questions around that. Again, we're gonna get into the legal basis, uh, meaning how, what permissions you have to be able to use that data. We're gonna to wanna to know how long you keep that data and how you secure that data. So this is a critical and required step. This also allows you to prepare a proper privacy notice and will allow you to make sure you have a solid process to manage those individual rights that we have to do. Now, I mentioned these legal bases and voila, here they are. So there are six main legal grounds for processing personal data under GDPR. There's consent, legitimate interest, contract, legal obligation, public authority, and vital interest. The last two are the ones that most companies honestly tend not to use. Um, kind of the science and health communities and government really are the ones that use public authority and vital interest. Consent, legitimate interest, and contract are the most common, and legal obligation as well. So legal obligation, you might need that for tax purposes, as an example. Or um, I've had some other situations where they have to collect uh, identification because of the, the business they're in for transporting information, as an example. Consent, we're all familiar with consent, but under GDPR, there's some very specific requirements of what consent needs to look like. We cannot have what's called a pre-ticked box. If you've ever bought something before, when you're done entering your information and at the bottom, there's a little box. Would you like more information to keep up with our products and offers? And it's checked. That would not be proper consent under GDPR. It must be an unchecked box. I also must be able to buy the product without having to sign up for your marketing. So it needs to be um, separate from the terms. It has to be specific. You have to really explain to me what it is that I'm consenting to. It cannot be too broad. Like I consent to whatever you want to do with my data. That would not be okay. Contract, skipping legitimate interest for a moment. Contract is, you know, I have a contract to deliver this product for you. I need to know where to send the information. So I need to process this information. I need to send you a bill. Uh, Contract's pretty straightforward. I'm, you bought something for me, I need data to be able to service you. 
legitimate interest is the sort of interesting catch-all. And it's not really a catch-all and they figured that out. So what they did is they created what's called a three-part test to make sure that you're balancing the needs of the company to use the data with the customer and what might happen with if you use their data. And it's all around making sure that the customer's individual rights and freedoms are not jeopardized by the use of the data. GDPR, if you boil it down, it's an individual focused law first. We have to think of the individual first, and it's all about protecting my rights and freedoms. It's my data. You, the company, get to use it. You get to use it if you have one of these six legal grounds to do so. So when we think about legitimate interest, we go through what's called a three-part test to make sure that we are properly balanced to being able to use the data. If you go through that test and you realize not so balanced, you have to figure out how you mitigate or adjust what it is you're trying to do. And there's a reason why you often see so much of the marketing in consent, because it's a little bit more clear. At the same time, if I opt in for you to use my data, I have to be able to easily opt out of the use of that data. So if you think about kind of that marketing campaign, um, this one's a little interesting because there are some that can use legitimate interest and there are some that particularly rely on consent. You need to go through your current customer base um, and the, or I should say your current customer base and also your current marketing list and understand how you got that information. There are some opportunities for how you can use legitimate interest if you're existing customers. Um, a lot of companies prefer to use consent. The other piece I would just add on here, and there's actually another law that controls the digital marketing in the EU, and it's called the e-privacy directive. There are different rules by country. So GDPR has one part, which is around the ability to process data, but the digital marketing law actually has more specificity on how you can use the data by country uh, for marketing purposes. So you actually have to look at both. And today we're not gonna go too deep into the e-privacy directive. I just wanted to, to let you know that that one exists because a lot of the times people just think it's GDPR and, and there's actually another one on top of it. So let's switch gears a little bit and talk about the privacy notice, which I said was another big requirement. The whole idea behind the privacy notice is to say what you do as a company. I collect this kind of information. I collect your name and email so that I can send you a marketing message. I collect your name and address so that I can deliver your product. I say what I do, and then I actually have to do what I say. So the privacy notice, first, there are a variety of very specific GDPR requirements. So we need to make, and we cannot cover all of them here. But the idea is that we make sure our notice covers the right disclosure requirements that I need to have. Now that I have that document, I don't just put it on my website and I'm sort of done forever. It's a dynamic document, just like our businesses. And we need to review it on an ongoing basis to make sure that whatever we're doing in our company is reflective in that privacy notice. So make sure that you uh, dust that thing off and it's reflective of the business strategy and marketing uh, activities and, and any type of purchasing, maybe e-commerce activities that you're doing on the site as well. Another thought is you've probably all seen those cookie banners and you're wondering, do I need a cookie banner? 
If you're using tags on the site, so a tag is a little piece of code that goes on the site, you might have a Google Analytics one that's gonna tell you how many people have come to your website. There's all kinds of other analytics out there as well. Maybe you're doing digital ads, maybe you're doing Google ads or Facebook ads or other social media ads. So all of these have different types of tags on the site. My first is that you really wanna have a site scan done to know what tags are out there because there's some security risks with tags. There's also um, requirements to make sure that you know what uh, tags you have out there, what kinds of cookies are being dropped. So you can create a cookie notice and a cookie banner. A cookie banner is required under GDPR and there's some certain language. What you see out there is not always correct. There's multiple different interpretations and there's also different countries that have different views of what it should and shouldn't look like. But generally the philosophy under GDPR is it's consent driven. I need to say, yes, it's okay for you to drop these cookies on the site. And then again, I need to be able to opt out of the cookies on the site. So do you have, make sure you have a scan. Often I find that companies have these cookies and tags on there from years ago. They've never been cleaned up. They can slow your site down. And, and bad malware can also creep through, uh, which can cause a data breach, access to your systems and things like that. And once you're done, you can create that cookie notice that you need and determine the right cookie banner for you. And there are a variety of cookie banner options from free to paid that are available to make sure your, uh, your cookie experience is compliant. When you're creating all of this, just make sure it's a positive user experience. We, we've all seen, the, the, just recently I was on a site and the cookie banner, if I didn't hit accept, I couldn't literally scroll to the rest of the page. Um, that is not the way GDPR is supposed to work, nor was that a very good user experience. So make sure that you, you have your customer experience folks or your marketing team or whoever owns your website as a part of the process so you have a good experience for your customers. Um, a couple other thoughts about design. The privacy notice uh, and anything around privacy should not be in the smallest font ever. It really should be in a prominent place. Make sure that checkbox is not ticked. If you're using any kind of location data, you know, if you want to know where I am, then you want to make sure that you're asking, asking me for that permission. So individual rights. GDPR has a list of them. Right of access. Tell me what information you have about me. Right of rectification. I should get to change the kind of data that you have on me. Right to erasure, uh, or also known as the right to be forgotten or the right to delete. In other words, I can ask you to delete my information. Right to restrict processing. You know what, I don't really want you using all of my data. You can use just some of my data. Right of data portability. I might want you to give me the data so that I can go port it and use it somewhere else. The right to object to processing. I don't want you to use that data. So restrict and object to are kind of similar, but just a little bit different. Um, the last one is probably one that won't affect most of you. But just so you know, it's the right to not be evaluated on the basis of automated processing. So think about artificial intelligence and how decisions might be made based on data crunching and predictive analytics and sort of there's an algorithm that's making a determination. So that is that particular one. When it comes to these individual rights, it's important to know not all, there might be some exceptions to where you might not be able to honor 100% all of them, but you have to go through a process to figure out what that looks like. Uh, so the right to erasure, there might be some information that you need to keep for a legal obligation 
or to comply with a certain law. At the same time, you might be able to anonymize the data. So you're going to keep the data, but you strip out all of the personal information associated with it. So now you can anonymize and maybe you need that for analytics purposes or something else. So again, it's important to understand, going back a couple um, slides and topics to the type of data you have. And so then you can figure out the, where your data is to be able to determine what your individual rights process will look like. So part of um, the individual rights piece is determine the submission method. So how am I going to submit a request? Is that going to be an email? Is that going to be a web form? How are you going to make sure that it's me? You, we don't want a data breach by submitting an individual rights request. So if Jody submits a request, how do you know that it's actually Jody? And you want to make sure that you're protecting the data when you're responding. So if I asked you for access, you don't want to send me everything in just a plain email. You want to provide it in a secure manner. Um, and up, you can see here that I made a slight oops. Uh, there's another law that we can talk about another time called CCPA. And that has some training requirements. You also need to train your employees on GDPR requirements and create a sustainable process. When I say a sustainable process, here's sort of an example. Imagine a request to delete data comes into the company. How are you going to get this request filed? So think about that submission method. How is it going to come in? And then who's going to look at this thing? So if it's an email, who monitors the email? And then they get the email, and then what do they, what do, they do with it? Who's going to monitor? Who's going to make a decision? Who's going to communicate back to me? And what will be said? You have to go through the process of determining, will you be able to honor the company request or not? And in GDPR, it has to be done within 30 days. And then you need to record that you made this request. So Jody said, please delete my data. You go through the process that says, we've evaluated, we've determined that we can, we figured out it's in these three places, we've replied to you that says, thank you, we've received your request, we've deleted your data. Now, how will you log that you've actually done this activity? So that you have proof that you've actually done it. So you need to think about this and this entire process. And the training piece is critical because you want to make sure that whoever's going to be responsible for this process knows what to do. And you also want to consider any point of the, the company where a request might come in that you didn't expect. Like maybe you have a form, but the people on the customer support line get the same request. So you want the customer support people to know, what do I do? Do I just send them to the email? Do I take the request? And be mindful that also people might change roles and jobs or what happens if someone's on vacation. So having a solid process and a step-by-step -step plan is really important as well as training. And so with that being said, we really wanna create a sustainable program. One piece to this program is also vendor compliance. So a big part of GDPR is making sure that everyone in our ecosystem that might have personal data is also compliant. So we need to know who our vendors are. We figured that out because we did that data mapping at the, the beginning of our process. And now we need to talk to our vendors. And there's a contract that we need them to sign that says we send you this personal data. You're going to adhere to it by making sure you meet the, these specific requirements. There's some cross-border transfer requirements. Um, any data that comes from the EU to the US, it actually moves borders. And the United States is not viewed as an equal country to the EU when it comes to data privacy. So the EU says you all have to have some special um, mechanisms in place. 
And if you're using vendors to house your data, then you need to make sure they're also adhering to that. You want to make sure they're not using data for their own purposes. You want to make sure that they're protecting that data. And you want to do this for your existing vendors and have a plan in place to monitor new vendors. This is an ongoing process, the entire compliance program. I've shared a lot of information that might be kind of foundational, steps you have to do right away. And once you get them done, you might think, yay, I'm done, I can move on to the next project. But that's actually the foundation. We wanna use that to come back to you on an ongoing basis to be able to use it um, as our floor to keep building upon our privacy program. And I kind of look at this as our data is in the middle and all the different parts of our organization are around it. And everyone has a role. Now, where privacy sits in your organization is different. You might have it in legal, you might have it in IT, you might have um, just a fractional person. I'm a fractional person to a lot of companies and, and I'm kind of like all over the place and I sit in strange places. Um, so you have to figure out what's gonna work for your company, but always putting the customer in the middle. And that's really what GDPR is all about. It's about the customer or the individual's data. And so everyone in the company has a part to making sure that they are doing their role to protecting customer data and to honoring the requirements under GDPR. So if HR goes and gets a new uh, vendor, they have to make sure it's GDPR compliant if you have EU employees. If the product team goes and gets a new vendor, they also have to make sure that any, anything that that vendor is gonna be doing to process data is going to be compliant. Same with marketing. And when we do that and we line everybody up, we're kind of on our little privacy boat here, all going in the same direction to building our sustainable privacy program. So just a couple examples of privacy I thought would be interesting to share. Some of these might be a little bit more tech savvy, but you can see that they're talking about privacy as a feature. So Monday is a project management tool and they're out saying, hey, look, we care about your privacy. And these are the different security certifications that they also have. Um, here's sort of an example of where people didn't think about privacy. So there was this app called Strava um, in Polar. And unfortunately, they were fitness apps that revealed the location of soldiers and spies. So here is the idea is think about your privacy in advance of whatever interesting product or marketing program you might be creating. Um, and so with that, I hope that we started with lots of information and I am hoping that once you work through all of these different items, you build that sustainable program, you'll be able to relax and enjoy um, you know, a nice calm um, program going forward and it won't be such a huge fire hose of information. I started with the idea on trust well, I like to end with that same notion. So if people like you, they'll listen to you. But if they trust you, they'll do business with you. And we're all here so that we can grow and, and build and sustain our businesses. And the idea of privacy, there's these requirements. GDPR has a long list of what it is that we need to do. And ultimately it is, again, about that individual and their personal data. If we build a privacy program properly from the ground up and we employ the principles from GDPR, we're going to create something that our customers will trust us with. Um, so if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you and you can find me 
uh, here by emailing. Here's my phone number. You can also find me on LinkedIn and Facebook. And I also have uh, a guide if you're interested in getting a little bit more detail on GDPR requirements. You can go to this website to grab more information. So thank you so much for listening, and I look forward to hearing from you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, the seed industry is truly global, and I expect that people will have lots of questions to send your way. Thank you. Absolutely.